I didn't intend to play the uh, uh, so much of the song. <laughs> I guess I'm procrastinating. Uh, welcome to the show today, uh, Bob here. Uh, under circumstances that I never thought would occur uh, quite this soon. Uh, at some point, uh, the show would be done. We'd be done <laughs> 20 years from now, 25 years from now. It's one of those things that you can just keep doing and doing and doing. And when you had a uh, a uh, companion like Chaz, <laughs> it would have been easy. Uh, but he's gone. And uh, this is not, I will say right now, this is not going to be uh, an easy show for me to do. And I don't think it's going to be easy, an easy show for you to, to listen to. But I feel like we need to say goodbye. Um, so... Please just uh, bear with me on this. Uh, I've never had to do this before, and I honestly, I hope I never have to do it again. Okay, I mean, where to begin? Um, first of all, I think Chez would be so so pissed at me to hear uh, my voice cracking or to hear any sort of schmaltzy, soupy remembrances. But uh, fucking Chez. Oh, by the way, this uh, if you're offended by obscenities, there are going to be a few. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to talk to uh, Ben Cohen from The Daily Banter. We're going to bring him in. Uh, but first, uh, obviously, I have uh, lots to talk about today, about my friend, uh, Chaz. And uh, I guess, you know, I, I guess I should start from the beginning. Um, I first uh, I first heard of Chaz at the Huffington Post. Believe it or not... Uh, once again, I mean, you talk about people who come into your life and 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 change your life forever. And uh, that was a guy named Roy Seacoff um, from the Huffington Post, who was the founding editor of the Huffington Post, going all the way back to 2004. <clears throat> Co-founded the site with Ariana Huffington, and uh, and I had a mutual friend with Roy, and uh, who introduced me to Roy, and I started blogging at the Huffington Post, and about the same time, so did Chess, and we were both uh, blogging over the Huffington Post, and. I think we are aware of each other's writing because we wrote in similar ways. Our, our writing certainly wasn't the same, but I think we had similar points of view about things. And, uh, and so uh, I think we were aware of each other's work. And, and then I started doing my first podcast, which was actually a show with, uh, <laughs> this is the, uh, the ongoing Breitbart nexus of, any, uh, of everything. In fact, uh, <laughs> Andrew Breitbart was a... Uh, founding member of the uh, Huffington Post, or maybe a, a guy who was sort of a uh, uh, behind the scenes and, and helping to create the site. And uh, another guy named Lee Stranahan, who went on to become a, a Breitbart goon, as it were, uh, 
I was doing a podcast with Lee Stranahan back before he became a Breitbart goon. Um, Lee Stranahan, uh, he and I did a show for Blog Talk Radio, and it was really Lee's show, and I just sat in. I would just call in and be uh, play second fiddle to, <laughs> to Lee Stranahan. And uh, one afternoon, or, or one evening, I should say, uh, Chez Pazienza was the guest on that show. And we talked to Chez about uh, about all the stuff, all the Chez things, all the Chez things. CNN getting uh, getting fired from CNN and uh, blogging in the Huffington Post, and uh, and uh, of course his brain surgery. Um, you know, if you're just learning about Chez recently, Ch- Chez uh, about seventeen, I think it was seventeen years ago, something like that. Um, I'm not sure exactly the date, um, but uh, yeah, he had a, a tumor on his pituitary gland and had that removed in a in a surgery, and it was. You know, nothing, uh, nothing serious. No, certainly nothing cancerous. And but that was what was made a major turning point in his life. And in fact, uh, you can read about that in, in his memoir, Dead Star Twilight, which is still available on Amazon. And I'm really uh, happy to see that it's uh, maybe for the wrong reason, but uh, it's now his his memoir is actually uh, trending a little bit on Amazon. It's now in the uh, I think the last time I checked, it was in the top 700 or something like that among all books. Maybe in the in, certainly in the top fifty among memoirs, and he would have been <laughs> he would have been thrilled about that, but he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have uh, been too effusive about how great it was. I you know there was there those times, and and you have to bear with me today because this is going to be one of those things where uh, when I was on John Fugelsang's show um, Monday, I, I compared it to one of those booths, one of those wacky radio show booths where. You go into the booth and then all the dollar bills are all flying around and you're grabbing the dollar bills and seeing how many you can grab. That's basically my brain right now. And so I'll just be grabbing things out of my brain and talking about them on the show. So thank you for indulging me. Um, so, you know, it would be those times when uh, the, the, the pod, when this podcast would trend on iTunes, for example, and suddenly because of the Chris Lavoy bump and Stephanie Miller or something like that, we our show would bounce up into the standings of like in, like in the top 10 or something in, in iTunes among all podcasts. And I would send Chez a note with a little screen capture <laughs> say, hey, look, we're number 17 or whatever in iTunes news and politics. And he'd go, we're awesome. <laughs> It would just be his response. Just nothing, nothing too effusive, nothing too fancy, nothing too woohoo. Yeah, I mean, that just wasn't him. It, you know, it was always a good day. I always thought it was a good day on the show if I could make, uh, if I could make Chez laugh, or or change his tone of voice above basically the ER, <laughs> that ER level. If I could get him to rise up above the ER level, I felt like my my uh, job was done there. <laughs> so anyway. Where was I? So I was doing this show with Lee Stranahan. Chez was on. And uh, and so uh, I ended up parting ways with Lee Stranahan when he started to become uh, kind of, you know, in the uh, Breitbart circles. Uh, switched over from being a progressive into uh, I don't know what the hell he is. And, uh, and around 2010, I started this podcast with a different co-host, with a guy named Elvis Dingledean. And I did that show with uh, with him for about a year and a half, and when and we parted ways, I'm beginning to feel like podcast co-hosts are like Spinal Tap drummers or something like that. Jesus. So Elvis left the show, and I had some guest co-hosts in for a week or two, and uh, <clears throat> had Bill Corbett from Mystery Science Theater, Shannon Moore was on, a bunch of people came on and, and did the show, and one of the guests, uh, it was sort of the guest co-host, was Chez Pazienza. 
I always thought he had a great voice, and obviously the guy could talk, and, and the guy had opinions, and the guy was a, a strong personality, and I always thought he'd make for a good foil, because I, I tend to be, you know, my style, anyone who's listened to the show for a length of time knows that uh, my influences, as far as radio goes, goes to sort of morning, <laughs> like morning zoo radio, that's where I came from, and so uh, I thought Chez, with his, you know... <laughs> surly son of a bitch attitude that you would always describe himself as a surly son of a bitch. And uh, with that attitude, I thought that would make a great balance for my sort of wacky morning zookeeper uh, influences. And and certainly I, I, you know, I thought about it long and hard. I said, you know, I got to have this guy, this guy's got to be on the show. And so it was July of 2011 that Chez and I started doing the show together. This has been the longest run of doing a show with someone else that I've ever done. I've been, this is in fact my 25th year in radio. But it's not, uh, technically I'm not, I know I'm not doing radio. But the show is, on, this is on radio, on on, on some affiliate in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, but I mean, te- technically I've been talking into a microphone <laughs> since 1992. And I did the show with Chez for six years. I've never done a show with anyone for that length of time. And that was one of many testaments to how uh, how amazing Chez was. And he always showed up. I know, you know, every once in a while we need to take a break. And certainly Chez took some breaks and that was fine. But, you know, for six years, I could always rely on Chez. And it's one of those things where I'm going around now and I'm sure a lot of people who, you know, grieve for lost friends and family members experience this a lot, which is that I find I found myself going around uh, dealing with Chez's death and observing certain things and uh, and thinking to myself, <laughs> I got to talk about this with Chez. It's become one of those weird habits, you know, where you do a show for a long enough period of time. And now we've been doing the show uh, three times a week, including the after party for uh, maybe since 2015, since summer of 2015. And uh, and, and your brain gets wired to constantly be looking at things in a way that, oh, how do I talk about this on the show? Is this show material? And talk, seeing everything that's been going on and, uh, and all of the text messages and, and emails and things that I've been getting and all the circumstances around Chez's death, um, which is still, <laughs> talk about two words that are, they're hard to put together, Chez's death. It's like putting the two words President Trump together. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it would have been it, all of this would have been great material for the show. <laughs> Weirdly. Like, I can't wait to tell Chez about this guy, Chez, who died. Famous guy. Great writer. Podcaster. And you wouldn't believe what happened. You know, one of those things. Like, I, I've got to maybe the, in the second segment on the show, we'll talk about this guy, Chez, died. And, uh, of course, it's not that way. It doesn't make any sense. But I still find myself going around and seeing, like, uh, I'll see a news story. I'll say, oh, i got to save this tab. i got to talk about this with Chess. What I end up doing as the host of the show is I end up finding things that, uh, that I think Chess would react to. And I think, really, when the show found its footing, I, I realized that I'm not the only one on the show. <laughs> that there's this other guy, and i got to keep him interested, too. And uh, and that's I think that was very early on. That's when it sort of I learned here's here's what start here's the th- here are the things that click with Ches Pazienza. Here are the topics that get him get his brain going and get you know the funny moving and and getting all of that. Uh, 
and uh, and and just going around day to day life. I'm always seeing those things. And uh, you know, I started <clears throat> I started the show with a uh, a song by uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars, which was a uh, a song uh, written by Jared Leto, <laughs> the new uh, the new Joker in the uh, DC extended universe, and. Uh, it's just one of those one of my all time favorite songs. I've got a, it's, I've got a playlist, my top two hundred favorite songs. I cannot tell you how many songs in that playlist I discovered through Chess, which Chess introduced me to those songs and said, uh, for either through one of his countdowns at DeusXMalcontent dot com or or something that we talked about on the show. Um, <sighs> sorry, <clears throat> he uh, uh, he was the uh, <sighs> this is a. Uh, this is hard. Um, Chez was the cool big brother uh, I never had. I'm uh, I'm the oldest of uh, of three boys. My parents had three boys, and I'm the oldest one. And, and I, I always think, well, there are lots of advantages to being the oldest. And uh, one of the disadvantages is there's no one, there's no cool bigger brother to <laughs> to tell me uh, what the cool things are. And so I, w- I was discovering myself uh, through most of my uh, adult life, obviously, you know, to, to various levels of success, you know, what the cool things are, you know, what, what the, what's the cool music, what are the cool movies to watch, what are the cool shows to, to check out. And, uh, and you know, it's funny, for the last six years, Chez has been that cool big brother. He, he's, he just, he seems to fit right into that, that attitude, that compartment is perfectly sized for Ches Bazienza. And I think many, many people who he knew, many uh, uh, personal friends, uh, e-friends on, on Facebook and Twitter, uh, certainly uh, listeners to the show, uh, people who would read his, uh, his columns in, in the Huffington Post or the Daily Banter or on his own website, Deus Ex Malcontent, um, thought of Ches as uh, a cool big brother. And that that song, Thirty Seconds to Mars, was a Chez song. That was in one of his countdowns on his website. It was the number one song. It was the number one song that week. I don't know. I forget what week it was. I think I think it goes back to 2010. It was even before I was actually doing a show with Chez that I discovered that song through his website. So anyway, so that that's uh, that's not easy to get over. Something and like. <laughs> Well, how am I going to find out what the cool shows are now? Uh, who's going to tell me what uh, the great new movie is? Um, or <laughs> fucking music. Jesus. The guy, Chez had an encyclopedic knowledge of things like that. Far beyond, <laughs> you know, far beyond, I think, most of us, uh, where he could remember lines from movies and he could remember uh, obscure songs. And... Uh, it was always it was always impressive, and I was uh, I, I was always a little bit jealous. Like oh, God, I mean, how does he tap into this? How where does he find this crap? You know, I'm I'm busy trying to figure out how. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm geeking it out over healthcare or something, and he's he's finding all the cool shit. Damn him. <laughs> uh but I think he, I think he liked the role, and and I think one of the things about Chaz is I don't think he was ever satisfied with his station, even though he was confident in what he was doing. I think ultimately he, he he never felt like uh, 
he was in the groove. He would find the groove and then he would fall out of the groove, whether it was with writing or whether it was on the show or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, it was he he very often would send me a text or he would call me on the phone. And say, I, yeah, Pop, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what to do. And I said, what's the problem? And he would go. I, 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 I can't write. I can't do this. I can't write. I, I'm just I'm writing words. It's nothing but words, 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 words. You can you can imagine him saying that. I'm sure. I don't know what to do. I, I this is driving me crazy. I can't I can't write. I can't find the end. He would just go off. I was like, don't. It's going to come back. I mean, someone who's as goofy, goofy talented as Chez, uh, the shit like that doesn't go away. It it sticks around. And boy, was he able to to use it. And uh, the podcast wasn't a good, I, I don't think the podcast was as good a, repu, a representation of what Chez could do uh, as, the, uh, as his writing was. His writing was uh, beyond outstanding. Uh, the way he get, one of the things that always, cra- you know what, it's these little things pop into my head and, and have been popping into my head a lot. Like, for example, I, I, I was skimming through Facebook. I saw an image of Maria Bartiromo. Of all people, Maria Bartiromo triggered a Chez memory. But believe it or not, it's just like, what the fuck? So Maria Bartiromo, who used to be on CNBC, and I don't know where she is now. I think she's on Fox News Channel. <laughs> One of the funniest fucking Chez references. And I find myself doing that a lot, too. Just fucking Chez. You know, I'd be reminiscing with, with someone uh, on, on Facebook or something, and those, they'll bring up a Chez story, and I'll go, fucking Chez. Uh, so he made this joke about Maria Bartiromo, and one of his articles, this is a throwaway thing, I think it was on Huffington, where he, <laughs> he compared Maria Bartiromo to Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in Return of the Jedi. I thought that was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. That joke, because of course Maria Bartiromo looks exactly like Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in Return of the Jedi. I fucking love that shit. I, I God damn it. And just so you're aware, um, you know, there is in radio and, and in uh, any sort of entertainment, there is the notion of, hey, no, no matter what's happening, everything's great. So if someone tells you a joke and you're live on the air and you're recording something, whether it's television or radio or the internet videos, or anything like that. Just every, make believe everything's great, so you laugh. If there's a joke, oh, okay, now we laugh. Now we move on. Because if you think it's funny, then everyone's going to think it's funny. Um, the, the thing is, though, when Chez would... Man, when Chez would nail it, when Chez would come up with some perfect way to... Uh, some perfect metaphor from pop culture for whatever, something that Alex Jones was doing or Dan Badandi or Donald Trump or, or anyone, the laughter that you would hear from me and my, igno- my obnoxious cackling laughter was 99.9%. I won't go 100% all the time across the board. 99.9% genuine because the guy was genuinely fucking funny. And... Uh, it, he, and just effortlessly so. He just come up with stuff. Pretty amazing. So so six years of doing a show. Um, and in all that, that time, uh, of course, I was well aware of Chez's demons and the things that he was dealing with on a, on a deep sort of dark, 
personal level. And he was very upfront with me personally, uh, off the air. Like we would, you know, we'd carry on sometimes for half hour, 45 minutes doing a, a show that we weren't recording before we actually recorded the show. And that was sort of our pre-therapy session. This is where we would get out all the serious stuff going on in our lives. You know, we're talking about deaths in the family, divorce, tragedies, you know, political crap that was upsetting us, and so and, and so forth. And uh, <clears throat> and and so I was well aware of what he was dealing with, and certainly I was aware of his past. And I, I'm not going to go into any details about the, really the circumstances behind. His death, that's all. That all remains to a certain extent. I mean, we have some ideas, but it remains to a certain extent a question mark until the official word comes down. And I'm going to wait for that before I say anything. So I, I think out of deference to his family, that's only fair. Um, but on some level, you know, as I was saying at the top of the show, it seemed like it seemed like this was something that he uh, foresaw. You know, I, I've been comparing this in a certain way and, and looking at this from the perspective of the show itself. And I, I, in fact, I was one of the people who sent their condolences and who I was chatting with briefly was John Melendez, who was on the Stephanie Miller show briefly. And uh, certainly everyone remembers him from the Howard Stern show, Stuttering John. And the one thing that keeps popping into my head, too, is when Sam Kennison died and he was such an integral part of the Howard Stern show. And I keep thinking about, well, how did how did Howard deal with Sam Kinison's death as being a friend and being a, you know, a, a cast member on the show and so on. So I've been th thinking about that. But one of the things that Kinison always said is Kinison always told Howard privately and so on that that he was going to die young. He, he just had this idea, the sense in his head. I think people who die young kind of know on some level. And I think after Chez's brain surgery, I think he thought the brain surgery was going to be the end that was that's when he was supposed to go and he didn't and he felt like everything else since then has kind of been bonus time so you know and these are the things that i would hear him kind of hint at for six years i mean six years of someone an adult human being who i spoke with personally at least three times a week uh certainly more so than my close family, my, certainly more so than my immediate family, certainly more so than uh, my uh, various women in my life, uh, whether they were uh, uh, girlfriends or, or, or wives, <laughs> plural, unfortunately, one, one thing that Chez and I had in common. Um, I, would t I talk to Chez more than almost any other human being every week. And so certainly those super honest things are going to come pouring out. And by the way, I'm hearing myself and I'm going, this has got to be excruciatingly boring. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, uh, but I, I just, I feel like this is something I've got to get. I got to get it out there. So I knew that uh, Chez, I knew what he had been dealing with in his past. And, and certainly I've been here uh, uh, for him and, and I've been talking with him or had been talking with him uh, in a personal way, off the air, uh, about th the election and how the election was deeply affecting him. And, and you know, I've described this, I already described this on the Stephanie Miller show, so 
some of the shit you're going to hear for the second time. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Chez, you, those of you who listen to the show, you know that Chez doesn't suffer idiocy uh, very easily. There were many times on the show, like me being the, a big fucking stupid idiot, I'd bring in some, <laughs> some clip of audio to the show, like an Alex Jones clip or something that, you know, he always loved the Dan Bedondi stuff. That was never a problem with Chez. But when I'd wheel out Rush Limbaugh <laughs> or Alex Jones and I would play a clip of one of those guys on the show, uh, Chez would very often, and I'm not making this up, Chez wouldn't listen <laughs> because it it hurt his head. It hurt his brain. So what he would do is he would throw the he would wear earbuds. That's how he re- record the show. He was those of you who don't know. We were never in the same. We never did the show in the same room together. Chez was in his apartment in L.A. I'm in my home office in in uh, in the Bay Area and and, and used to be in Hawaii. Uh, and uh, and we record the show over Skype. And that's and that's how he, he would do it. But he would sit in his living room on his couch with his laptop on his coffee table with his microphone right next to it. And that's how he would do the show. And he would use earbuds. That's how he would. I, I have full on headphones because I'm a nerd, but he would just use his earbuds because he's casual chess. And uh, he would throw his earbuds out <laughs> about two seconds into an Alex Jones clip of Alex Jones screaming about whatever the fuck. Uh, Chez would throw his head, his earbuds out. I can't listen to this. I can't hear this in my head. You know, I mean, everything from everything from Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh to I remember the old days, like when we originally started the after party, and I was sort of finding what would work on the after party. What kind of kind, what kind of jokes, what kind of content, what kind of bits work on the after party? And at the time, one of the really popular memes, video memes online, was. Uh, Screaming goats, goats that scream like human beings. <laughs> I don't know why, always cracked me up. Uh, made me laugh the laugh of all laughs. I loved the sound of the screaming goats. It was just something I was into at the time. I thought it was hysterical. These goats, there was one that sounded like Jerry Lewis that was especially funny. And Chez, Chez fucking hated it. Oh my God, did he hate it. And so, you know, you, you learn your lesson about what things, you know, Chez liked and what things Chez didn't like. And that was one of the things. Like, don't fu- Bob, do not play another fucking Screaming Goats audio. And he never said that. He never told me what not to do. He never said, don't do this anymore. He would just sort of say, he would just voice his disgust. <laughs> say, he would come on afterwards. I'd play the clip and he'd come off on afterwards and go, oh. I didn't even hear any of that because I th- threw my earbuds out of my head and just and d- went and did something else. <laughs> I went and got a drink from the fridge or got a snack or something. And uh, and so this all leads back to, by way of screaming goats, leads all back to the election. And, um, you know, I, I, I try to make this clear on, on Stephanie Miller and, and uh, on John Fugelsang's show, but I want to emphasize it here again. The, the Chez isn't dead because of the election. I just want to make that abundantly clear. But I will say that with so many people, I would say in the millions of American people, maybe even people who live in other countries, um, this election affected them on a, in a deep and profound way. And it's not just because there's a Republican and it's not just because Hillary Clinton lost. It's because of the kind of human being that was elected president the piss poor quality 
of a human being that was elected president of the United States. Uh, I think we all had higher hopes for what the presidency meant and, and higher standards for the types of human beings who would lead us into the future, lead the country and, and do the things that need to be done uh, domestically and internationally. And this blew away all of our preconceived notions. The election of Donald Trump blew that all away. And for someone like Chez, who couldn't stand to hear the sound of the screaming goats, imagine, imagine being Chez and, and wired the way he was and having to listen to the sound of screaming goats for the next eight years. That's, that's how Donald Trump's voice would affect him. That's how Alex Jones's voice would affect him, for that matter. Rush Limbaugh, people like that. Idiots. And it would make his brain hurt. And he found that he was having trouble finding a niche other than saying, fuck you to everybody. Uh, and not to you, but to Trump and Bannon and the usual suspects. And, and he felt like, where do I go with this? What do I do? With he was always thinking, always thinking on a creative level. How do I apply this to my work? How do I apply this to my writing? He didn't even think, I mean, honestly, he didn't think of writing as work. It was something that he almost had to do. He was compelled to do it. And he was fucking great at it. And, uh, and, and he, he just kept, he would always think, he was always thinking about how do you, I mean, for, I'm someone who were, operates more spontaneously. I just go with it. I just went, oh, this is the thing. Oh, this is the thing today. This is the topic of the conversation. Okay, fuck it. I'm just going to hammer this out. And I'll, I'll crank out an article because I just, it, it comes, I, I'm more of a creature of politics than Chez ever was. And that's not a compliment to me or an insult to Chez. That's certainly probably more of a compliment to Chez <laughs> than anything else. He just didn't, he, he didn't love politics the way I love politics. And that's fine and great and actually much healthier. If he had the same, if he was wired into politics the way I'm wired into politics, I think we would have lost Chez a long time ago, honestly. But the thing is, because he wasn't wired into politics and because there was someone in the White House so loathsome and so occupying the news cycle in, in an inescapable way, you can't. You can't write about politics without writing about Donald Trump, covering Donald Trump. So all he could do with a, a, a thousand words every piece is say, fuck you, and try to find, try to struggle and, and, and search for uh, the best way to say fuck you in the most number of words. <laughs> so I, I, that drove him bananas. No one can keep going. Uh, if you're wired like Ches Pazienza, no one can keep going and sustain that and, 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 and be so emotionally wired in. I think one of the reasons why I can keep going forward and doing this is because I've been doing it. I've been covering politics since I was in high school. So I've been doing it for a long fucking time. And I think in that sense, I've taken more of a and not I'm not all the way there, but trust me, I'm, I get infuriated and I've been bent out of shape about this election and I get I get viscerally my, my emotions rise to the surface very easily when it comes to politics. But it's much less so than than the way Chez was wired. I've just by repetition and sheer number of years, I've been able to wire myself so that uh, I'm looking at it more as, as like a doctor, <laughs> you know, like a doctor can kind of uh, disconnect the tether between their work and their emotions. And, and sometimes I'm able to do that. Chez can never do that. 
Chez was never able to do that. So everything that happened, every fucking tweet, every insane pronouncement uh, affected him emotionally. And he just kind of was searching for his place in all of it. And I think that led him to that dark side. I think that triggered his uh, depression, which he talked about on the show, which may or may not have been treated. I don't know how well it was. I know Chez was on various medications uh, because if he, he had a variety. And that's why I'm, 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 I'm not um, confident to say that the reason, the cause of death was what everyone is thinking. Because he was, uh, he was suffering from other physical problems. You know, having a brain tumor at one point being one of the big ones. And how that affects you. When you have a brain tumor on your pituitary, your pituitary does everything. And, and having a, a tumor removed from your pituitary gland probably took a bunch of his pituitary with it, if not his entire pituitary. I forget the circumstances around that brain surgery. So suffice to say, a lot of physical problems that he was dealing with. And, uh, and so that might have been it. So when you're wired that way and you have to do all of this <laughs> bullshit uh, as your job, I think it looked especially bleak. And, and so therefore he was just, I think those of you who listen to the show know, because he would talk about it on the show, whether it was the free show or the app, didn't matter. He would talk about how much he was drinking. And, he was, and wild turkey became a regular, uh, frequently used word, or a couple of words on the show, because uh, he was drinking quite a bit. And, uh, and on several shows, he was very, he was either still drunk or hungover on the show the next morning. And, uh, and, you know, I never, I never gave him shit about it. And I think maybe we should, I have, but maybe, I don't know. I just never saw it. I never saw it as my place to tell Chez what he shouldn't, shouldn't do with his body. I felt like here was a guy who is ridiculously talented and a very close friend and 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 a partner in the this endeavor with the podcast and i i just didn't feel like it was my place to say to get all judgy with him i mean i wouldn't certainly i certainly wouldn't cheer him on that's not the the show just for fun i would sort you know i don't know what the fuck i would say on the show i don't remember but uh i uh i never felt like uh I should lecture him. I felt like there were lots of other people in his life who would lecture him. I just wanted to be someone he could vent to and not, and not have to worry about, oh, shit, is Bob going to think I'm a dick for, for saying this or doing this? I tried, ne- I tried to never judge him. And, of course, one foot for me was always in the show. Like, well, this is good. This is good radio. Even though it's not radio. You have to forgive me. I'm still old school with the radio shit. So I'll often refer to doing the podcast as saying like on the air, even though we're technically not. Uh, but I'm always looking at like what's going to be what's going to be the most entertaining. And sometimes that that goes too far. And I think I've, I've certainly doing a show with a guy for six years. I've, I've taken it too far. Um, but uh, it, he he never had to be coerced 
to be honest on the show. He never had to be coerced to just lay it all out there. Whether it was his depression or drinking or hormones, everything. Dealing with dealing with his demons was something that was very public for Chez. And I think, to a certain extent, that made him feel normal. To have it just out there. He wasn't keeping any secrets to make him feel like he was hiding in the shadows with whatever demons he had. To, to get it all out there... Not only, I think to some level, I think to some level it helped him cultivate the badass rock star thing that, that Chez had going on. Um, to just be honest, and, and I'm not talking about uh, alcohol or drugs or anything like that. I'm just talking about this, this shell. I should say something about Chez uh, that a lot of you know. Um, and I've said this before publicly. Chez was a, Chez was a total softy. He was a total soft. You know, he had this crusty Hunter S. Thompson by way of Anthony Bourdain kind of uh, by, you know, by way of fill in the blank uh, <laughs> rock star, <laughs> you know, Gen X rock star. Uh, and that was a very thin veneer under uh, under which was very soft wood. Uh, you know, it just he just had this cupcake inner surface that I don't know if I'm even seeing that correctly. Certainly Taryn and certainly Chez's family uh, and, and closer friends. Cause I mean, frankly, I've, I've only been in the same room with Chez on three occasions. I've only actually been with Chez face to face on three separate occasions. One of those occasions was a long occasion. Uh, you know, it was over several days in, in Tennessee uh, for Chez participating in panel. But the other two occasions, I met him for dinner once before we ever did the show. Back in maybe 2009, I think. He was in Reading because his ex-wife lived, was, grew up in Reading, where I lived for many, many years, Reading, Pennsylvania. And then uh, we had dinner and drinks at a sushi place, <laughs> just because we knew each other from the Huffington Post. And I think at the time, we both knew Lee Stranahan, so we made fun of Lee Stranahan for a while there uh, at dinner. And then we met, um, we met, at, uh, we met up in Tennessee. In fact, we met up uh, just coincidentally. We happened to be on the same flight and we met, we met up at the airport accidentally. We just happened to be on the same thing. And so, uh, and that was, and so at that point that weekend, and I have to thank uh, our mutual friend, uh, comedy Fred Pogue, who, uh, who put the whole thing together, put the whole uh, Chess participates in panel thing together, invited us both out there, paid our way, gave us healthy stipends for our time, uh, uh, also via the contributions of, of Paula at Bubble Genius, by the way. And that all culminated, that trip culminated to maybe the funniest night I've ever spent. The, I mean, hands down, the, the most I've ever laughed, the funniest night I've ever spent. And it was, uh, it started with Chez participating in panel, uh, literally. I mean, we did the panel at, at Eastern Tennessee State University. And uh, we talked about politics in the media, and the panel was okay. You know, the panel was a panel. We, we, people asked us questions, and we talked about social media, and yammering on and on and on. And then after that, <laughs> first of all, Paula from Bubble Genius insisted that we all take a photograph together. The three of us take a photograph together. Uh, because Ches, um, I, I, I think I, I might be... Uh, might be overestimating when I say Chez was five six, five five, somewhere around there. My, I, and I'm six four, 
And and Fred Pogue, comedy Fred, was and still is six five, maybe six six. Fred's bigger than I am, much bigger than I am. And <laughs> Paula, Paula from Bubble Genius said, "I'll contribute to the panel. I'll I'll, I'll make a financial co- contribution to the panel to make it happen." And all I want in return was is a picture of the three of you all together with Ches in the middle, <laughs> just because the visual and that that photo is on on Facebook. So then we take we take this funny fucking photo that was making me laugh, and then the three of us, Fred, Ches, and I, are on the way out of the. <laughs> this is the other funny thing. We're on our way out of the DP Culp Arena, which is where the panel took place. And I remember when we were promoting that on the show, we were trying to get some some of our listeners out for a, for a meet and greet, and certainly to uh, to also uh, be in attendance for the panel. And so we were always talking about how the panel was going to be held at the DP Culp Arena. We talked about that on the show. And then Chez's ongoing joke was, "If my initials were DP, I would insist that everybody call me DP." And those of you who know what DP stands for get the joke. Um, so that was funny. We were talking about the DP Culp, <laughs> DP Culp Arena, so typically Chez, so insanely Chez, to to make the connection between those initials and, you know, the, the, the reference that the initial, what the initials stand for. Um, and uh, double penetration. And so uh, we went from there to uh, to this bar at the hotel where we were staying, where we were going to do this meet and greet. And on the way out of the DP Culp Arena to the bar, I run over. I say, oh, look, there's a campus newspaper. I go pick up a campus newspaper because I, you know, one of my other things is I've been in, in newspapers and, and publishing since I was in high school. So I'm always interested in campus. I was the editor-in-chief on my campus newspaper, et cetera. So I'm always interested in college newspapers and see what they're doing. So I run over to the newspaper bin and sitting there in the fucking newspaper bin, staring right up at me. Holy shit. It's that picture of Chez that for some reason looks distorted. It looks like it was taken with like a fisheye lens. So his head looks gigantic and and then foreshortened. <laughs> so it's like this distorted picture of Chez wearing a, a black suit and a black tie uh, with his hair up and everything with that devilish grin of his right next to the headline, Chez participates in panel, page five. The dumbest fucking headline I have seen in my entire life. And the fact that it was Chez and that Chez was there and it was above the logo. It was like one of those, you know, in the USA Today or whatever newspapers, they put like the, they preview the inside stories, but above the logo for the newspaper on the front page. And that's where the thing was. And you'll see it on my Facebook page. In fact, uh, Chez participates in panel. So there were several layers to that. First of all, who the fuck is Chez? You know, like they, they just referred to him by his first name as if he's Cher or Bono. <laughs> it's like, okay, if it was Bono participates in panel, then okay. But it's just, it was just so funny that they endowed Chez with like this first name recognition status. Chez participates, and then it was alliterative. Chez participates in panel. And there was no idea, like... It's like some sort of miracle that this guy, Chez, is participating in panel. Like, this is the thing. It wasn't uh, a CNN producer, Chez Pazienza, participates in panel on media. It wasn't defined like that. It was just Chez participates in panel. Like, oh, okay, great. Hey, look, I got to grab this paper. Look, at you see this? Chez participates in panel. I got to be there. Chez, of course. It's Chez. 
He's participating in panel. Why not go there? How can you stay away? It's You're compelled to go because it's Chez participating in panel. So we were laughing our asses off about that all night long. We went to the bar and drinking too much and talking about Chez, making jokes about Chez participates in panel. Then after all of the drinking was done, we all adjourned to our separate hotel rooms to check in with Facebook and social media where I had posted the Chez participates in panel photograph because I obviously I took a picture of it. And everyone on Facebook, it seemed like it went on for hundreds and hundreds of comments, people making up their own Chez participates in blank jokes. And I just, I sat there and it was, it must have been one o'clock in the morning, laughing my ass off, just laughing my ass off at this, at this headline. And then all of the variations on, on Facebook and the comments. And then I discovered the next morning, I met up with Chez for breakfast the next morning, and Chez was doing the same thing, laughing his ass off at all of the funny headlines. And that was the thing about Chez. Chez wasn't too cool to be made fun of. And I think that was one of the reasons why we slipped into doing this show so easily, because we didn't hesitate to bust each other's balls. And we didn't feel like, oh, if we do this, we're going to hurt the other person's feelings. We were just, it, it was just a natural part of the rapport. Uh, but God damn it. <laughs> that was, Ches, that night, Chess participates in panel. That was exactly four years ago, Sunday. In fact, it was already, uh, I think it was already the 26th uh, when I heard about what happened to Chess. Uh, this past Sunday. Um, just weird. The serendipity of uh, the newspaper. In fact, the newspaper is dated Monday, February 25th, 2013. And uh, and the 25th was, in fact, I think the last the last show Chez and I did together. No, it was the 24th. And and he yeah, I guess he he, he died on the 25th. It's insane. The panel, though, was the 26th, so that's the, the difference. But still, so fucking weird. So this is all to say that Chez had this ornery, surly son of a bitch outer coating, and then inside was this big softy, big softy. Chez was just one hell of a nice guy and so insanely supportive of the people around him, the people he considered to be friends. Uh, you know, I'm sure we've all had our run-ins. I've certainly had my debates with Chez on Facebook. But you know what? They never lingered. The fights, the anger, whatever, the vitriol, you know, in the context of a political debate or, you know, we would debate about stupid shit, too. <laughs> Things like food. We would yell at each other over food, weirdly. But he would always find a way to just bring it back and say, you know, he'd send me an email. Are we cool? Are we cool? Yeah. I want to play this too. Uh, just to illustrate Chez's soft side. You, those of you who know uh, Chez and have read anything that he's written on Deus Ex Malcontent, this from Close Encounters always made Chez cry.
is the uh, end theme from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And Chez would always say when he was a kid and this music would come up, it would make him weep. Let's uh, let's bring in uh, Ben Cohen, who's the uh, founding editor of the Daily Banter, and uh, and we were sort of Chaz and 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 myself and and Ben. We were sort of like uh, three musketeers over at Banter. We we started the thing, and well, it was, it was mostly Ben and uh, Chaz and I tagging along, and uh, felt like we were kind of our own little troop over there. And uh, so let's bring in Ben. We, I was just saying that we were sort of like the, uh, I, I don't know for lack of a better term, we were like the three amigos, the three musketeers uh, at, at the Daily Banter. And, and obviously much of it had to do with uh, with your efforts and putting it all together. But it, it just Chaz and I were kind of been tagging along and we, we kind of, the three of us became sort of uh, uh, the, the main three voices of the site. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how I felt. You know, I, I thought I was the one tagging along, but... Um... You know, I it, it, obviously that kind of it warms my heart to to hear you say that um, the other way around. But yeah, I, I um, yeah, we, that's that's how it was, man. It was it was the three of us. We started the daily banter. Um, when did and, you? Uh, uh, how did you first learn about chess? How did you uh, discover chess? I I was trying to think about how that happened. I I know I read his blog first. I think maybe I got in contact with you. I think I started reading you first and then you yeah. maybe said something about chairs and I thought, oh, I need to check this guy out. And then 
you know, saw, I believe I checked out his blog, I checked out Deus Ex Malcontent, and then ever since then became a huge fan and followed him on the Huffington Post and, you know, um, yeah. was kind of amazed that he'd bother uh, responding to somebody like me back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, did, did you ever get the impression that you were sort of trying to convince a, a cool guy to come down to the nerd level? Like, hey, join us nerds over here. And <laughs> So that's how I always felt. I was like, if I could be friends with Chez, then I could be friends with the cool kids. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, I know. I, it, it automatically up my <laughs> myself sort of uh, respect and my own kind of confidence. You know, I just I yeah. felt, wow, this guy. Why would this guy bother talking to me? It must mean that I'm all right. Maybe I can. <laughs> maybe I'm not such a crap writer. Um, you know, so I really was. Um, I think it was just because he was such a cool guy. Yeah, you know, he was just a cool guy. He would talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. He 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 would talk. I found this out about him over the years that he would. He he um, was incredibly open like that. I know yeah. loads and loads of people who who he just would engage in conversation with, and they were all kind of sh- they all kind of felt the same that they were shocked that he would uh, he would talk to them. Somebody's quite as talented as that. Yeah, and I was just in fact I was saying just before I brought you in uh, to the show here. Is that uh, that Chez had that crusty, surly son of a bitch outer coating, but it was just the the nice guy lurking just under the surface, and that's what always kind of struck me once I, I really got to know him. Oh man, he he, he was a warm hearted guy. You know, we we went out to drink uh, and get food every time I would was in L.A. Uh, I mean, I used to live there, so when he moved out there and I moved to, over to D.C. from Los Angeles, there was some crossover time where we 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 met up. Uh, we'd been, you know, email friends and talked on the phone quite a lot before then. But we there was a lap over. There was a kind of a yeah crossover time when we were both. I moved to LA and he moved. To, sorry, I moved to DC and he moved to LA. Uh, and then every time I'd come back to LA, we'd go out, we'd get drinks, we'd we'd uh, we'd chat, and and I always just really enjoyed his company. You know, he was a very sort of warm-hearted guy, and um, he could come off as a real, you know dick uh yeah. when when writing but he wasn't that way in person he oh, really yeah. wasn't yeah that was just it he <laughs> i think he he would he would constantly balance between that kind of public persona the the again the, the surly son of a bitch and and i think what lurked very closely under the surface which was you know i just uh, I, I i i've got no ill will toward you i just disagree with you <laughs> yeah. kind of the yeah. thing. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I think that he'd been through so much in his life. I, you know, he he'd done I think a lot of damage to other people and I think he'd done a lot of damage to himself over the years. Yeah. And it kind of brought him to a place where he was you know, he was sick of that. He didn't want to damage anybody else. He didn't want to damage himself. You know, if he was going to damage anybody first, it would be himself. Yeah. You know? Uh, rather than somebody else, and I, I really got that from him when when talking to him that he, he he just didn't want to create any more harm towards anybody else. Yeah, um, you know he'd gone through. Uh, obviously, you, you read all about it. Read his book. Read um, Dead Star Twilight, and uh, read um, you know any of his stuff on on the banter and on his mm. blog. And you 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 know he. He had a tumultuous life. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he he wanted to do the right thing, whether it was to the, the people around him or whether it was politics, you know, whether it was going to ground, spending uh, a considerable amount of time at Ground Zero after 9-11 or more recently going to Ferguson. Yeah. And, report, and getting pepper sprayed by the police at Ferguson. 
Oh he just gosh. he wanted to do the right thing. It wasn't just about uh, this is I'm just a media guy and this is what I do. It was more about I want I want to do what's right. I want to pursue the truth. I want to pursue uh, the good side of all of this. Yeah, and I th- I think that's only really possible to, to the the way that he could articulate it was only really possible from somebody who'd kind of seen the other side. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and his ability to kind of yeah, speak, speak the truth came from a place that he, it was very personal to him, you know, where he'd seen the dark side of, of, uh, of, of, hum, you know, of, of what it means to be human. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and he didn't want that anymore, you know, and he was, he wanted to try to put things right. That's how, that's the sense that I always got from him. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's ultimately what affected him. One of the things that affected him at least, uh, so much about this election is that he saw, that that darkness that he had recognized, uh, whether, it, whether it was publicly or, or in people themselves, in individual mm. people themselves, that darkness suddenly became the status quo when that election right. occurred, when, when Donald Trump won the election and all of those terrible people were vindicated in their support for him. All those horrendous, that guy, that guy, the shirtless guy screaming on the street corner in that video, that, that type of guy yeah. so, suddenly is running the country. And that's that's like the bad guys won. I remember we kept we kept talking about that. We did a show on November 9th, the day after the election. The bad guys won. Mm, yeah, and, and and I just think that he his ability to sort of dissect it all and and um, encapsulate it so perfectly was yeah. was just the result of his own kind of personal experience and and recognizing perhaps elements of this stuff in himself and knowing that this is the dark side, you know, this is not what you feed. You don't feed this dark side of you, of yourself. And, um, I think when the country, you know, the country has been doing that, um, recently and I, it clearly weighed on him. So has it really, uh, become real for you yet? Is it, do you still feel numb? Does it still feel surreal or is, are you coming to the point where maybe you never felt that way in the first place? Uh, but certainly I did, and I'm. It's got there. There are intermittently times when suddenly it hits me like a ton of bricks, and uh, and those are the those are the hardest times, obviously. Yeah, I'm 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 going through exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just find myself laughing about something that we did. You know, <laughs> yes. Some, you know, there were so many things oh I I, I wrote about it on my my piece that I just I can't even. It would take me, you know, days to to kind of recount all the crazy stuff that that we did together and uh, yeah. at the banter and, you know, that the, he used to drive me crazy. He used to drive me completely crazy, and I, you know, and I just remember all those times, and it makes me laugh, you know. And then and then other times, you know, and then and then other times, yeah, it hits me, you know. I'm like, I, I wrote today um, that I keep kind of waiting around. For him to say something like, yeah. "What do we? How do we? What do we say about this? Yeah. You know? How do we? How do we articulate it? You know? And, I, yeah, and I, I'm we, sure. We always I, wait for him to do that. I, I'm sure you went through this on many occasions. Dealing with Chez and technology was like dealing with your mom and technology. Like explain explaining to Chez how to resize a JPEG was like, oh my god! I thought his head was going to explode. Like oh trying god, to get. Well, <laughs> Think about when we moved over from from the lot from our old CMS thing to the new one, the new platform. Oh yeah, yeah, right. We we used oh. to use WordPress, and then we're, we're using something else for for the daily banter. And Jesus God, he just oh my knew. God. like stream of abuse from him, like. <laughs> <yeah>. Cheers. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I know. I know. And just like that, we would have occasions on the show where because he because he's Chez and he. His computer, I'm surprised that his MacBook still worked because he would slam his keyboard like he was using an old manual typewriter, just like pounding it as if he was, and I would hear it going like that in the background when we were talking. And so it was this old crappy keyboard. And so consequently, you could only run one or two apps at a time on his computer. And so what would happen is, is I would ask him to do certain things to his computer so it wasn't affecting his bandwidth and i would say could you do this that and where's the could you go go to options and scroll down to the thing and that was like it was like i was teaching him brain surgery i was like oh, i don't know what i don't know what any of this is what, what am i supposed to do next no this isn't work. oh god oh my god and he would just get he would get so angry and so frustrated and it would be like everything from the most complicated things on down to and i, and I shit you not it would on down to how do i change the size of this jpeg so it fits in the <laughs> Like, oh okay. my god! Yeah, I'm not no, even gonna bother a, to go. It, down I mean, that they, they, I, I've yes, I there are so many occasions where where I'd have to. I spend probably hours trying to email him in email conversations about how to format something. You know, it, and it just so I didn't have to do it again. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just sit this through. I'm gonna do a half a day with chairs trying yeah. to get him to understand how to do this, so I don't have right. to do it. For, every single time yeah and yeah. then he'd still forget the next time he'd like i can't do it anymore i can't do it funny i just spent a day doing this with you jesus you christ it's a, this is a guy who was uh you know an executive producer on cable news television programs and you know it was fun to uh it was fun to also tease him about it. And he, of course he was always a good sport he recognized how much of a, a technophobe that he was that you know even though he was really good at using the apps on his phone, you know, anything beyond that was, I think, a bridge too far. It just didn't. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, again, he didn't I, suffer. He didn't suffer complication very easily. Right. Right. And, he was a brilliant idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just like even even dealing with, uh, you know, the upside down realization that Donald Trump is president of the United States. He just he didn't deal with with bullshit very well i i think we'd uh, we'd we'd be a lot happier if if we could just uh ignore the bullshit but he would always just he would internalize the bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah you know and and that that's but it's part of what made him such an amazing writer you know he he could he would he took it personally you know yeah he took he took the bullshit personally it was a personal affront to him donald trump was a was it was an insult to chess right right you know, yeah. that he had to be alive at the same time this idiot is, al- is alive, you know? <laughs> yes, that this- that's exactly. I was looking for those exact words. That's that's so well put. He yeah. he, he hated having to be around to, to, to see this insanity. And then, of course, you know, bringing it down to a much more serious level, he, he, he was constantly telling me about, uh, what about Inara? And Inara growing up as, as a little girl, I mean, Inara, eight years old. Growing up in the age of Donald Trump and and just all of the misogynistic horrendousness that that circulated around that, not just from Trump, but certainly of his uh, his loyalists too, kind of portraying his attitude, uh, uh, co-opting that that style and and, and spreading it out like a virus um, terrified him. I I think just the idea of that terrified him. 
and 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 I, I certainly I certainly sympathise with that, you know. And I've gone through those emotions myself, you know. But I I was um, on my honeymoon recently and uh, in, in Costa Rica, and and I you know it, it dawned on me then while I was there how stressful all this stuff is and yeah. how you know because you can you can go to a dark place pretty quickly, you know, if you extrapolate from what's happening now to where this could all lead, you know, you can get dark pretty fast. Um, and I was on my, my honeymoon and, and I just determined, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go on Facebook. I'm not going to check my emails. I'm not going to check the news. I don't care what Donald Trump does. Yeah. I don't care for this, you know, period of time. And, right. uh, you know, and I did, I actually took up meditation. I did meditation for like every 20 minutes every day. Um, and you know, it was pretty, it was really helpful in that I realized that sort of that, that I could actually control my responses to this better than I have been yeah um and, and that's been that's been very useful and I've kind of taken that with me and I can continue in the practice and uh, it, it, this stuff still pisses me off um but you know like everything it's temporary you know like everything this this too shall pass you know this this idiot yeah. has is having his day in the sun um and he will go he will be thrown onto the rubbish bin of history like all other moron yeah you know Tim Pot dictators or wannabe dictators do. Yeah, you know? and, so and you know what really sucks is uh, we won't have Ches around to to write about that to, when that happens. The glee, ah, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, when this all comes to an end, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm gonna, I, I would, if there is an afterlife, I'm sure he's gonna be cracking open the, uh, cracking open the champagne and he'll <laughs> yeah. be having a great laugh over the uh, the demise of Donald Trump you yeah. know and um, I'm gonna I'm sticking around until that day happens you know just for him right yeah Chez participates in afterlife yeah I mean <laughs> like, like him he probably would do just to piss everybody off <laughs> right. so um, you're you're doing a thing with uh, the daily banter right now uh, raising money for Taryn and, and Chez's family uh, do you want to tell us about that yeah, so so we, um, you know, the the membership sales that we that we've made um, over. We actually we, it was it was for yesterday. Um, so I want to be completely transparent about that. So we were going to donate all sales um, yesterday. Um, are going to go to to Taryn, um, to his fiance to help pay for funeral costs. Right. Um, but I'm going to, you know, if, if anybody wants to go to to uh, subscribe. Now I think um, uh, you know Ches would have certainly Ches helped build this. You know this was this was Ches's baby. Some yep. of his best work is there. Yep. Um, it, it, all that money is going to Taron. Um, you know maybe wait. We, we're going to put up a go. I'm, I'm hearing talk about a GoFundMe yep. page. Um, you know if you don't want to uh, subscribe to the banter, do, do that instead. Find the most effective way of. of um, yeah, giving to Ches's family. Um, you know, right. I'm going to make my own donation as well. So, so. Um, and he uh, does, you know, he does have a PayPal button at DeusXMalcontent.com. That's D E U S E X M A L C O N T E N T dot com. And mm. so he he does have that. And I don't know if his his family or Taryn has access to that. Access uh, so to I that, would yeah. recommend maybe not going that route. But if you really, yeah. if you're lacking any other way to go about uh, getting getting some money to. Uh, uh, to Taryn and Ches's family, that 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 might yeah. be a last resort. So, or or, or or I tell you what, actually, what might be a good idea is if you want to buy a subscription. Um, you know, for anybody listening to this, um, 
e- email me right so so buy, buy, buy a subscription um and then email me at ben at the daily and say that this subscription is is specifically um uh, going to um uh, to tarrant and i i will i will make i'll tally that up and add that to what we made yesterday right. um and, and give that and give that to tarrant so please just email e- email me if that's what you want to do um you know uh we're going to be releasing um we're going to figure out there's, there's some amazing stuff that ches has got in the in the, in the members only yep. section as well so you can you can read that with yeah, his membership. best work i mean i think his best worker in the, is in the uh the banter m uh it, in the member stuff, yeah, member yeah. We, we, I, yeah. I want to. We're going to figure out over the coming days what to do with some of that. I think some of it might. We're going to. We're going to certainly going to release on the main site. Some of it's it's going to stay there because yeah. I don't know whether he would have wanted all of it to be out there. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to have to. You know, we, that's going to be part of what we do over the next few days and weeks is to try yeah. and figure out um, how to best, um, you know, maintain maintain Chess's legacy. Yeah. Um, and keep him, you know, keep him alive. You know, he lived online, so he's yeah. still there. You know? <laughs> right, right. That's absolutely right. God, that's a great way to put it. That's a fantastic way to put it. Well, thank you, my friend, for uh, for coming on, and thank you for everything you're doing with the daily banter. Thank you for giving us all three of us an opportunity to all work together, and just know that. Uh, no matter what happens, I'm still with you, and we're going to proceed forward with the daily banter uh, without Chez. Uh, but we're going to be better people uh, for having known him. I, th- I, th- I think so, man. And thank and thanks very much, boy. That, that means a lot. And um, yeah, it's going to be strange, man. It's going to be strange yeah. going on without Chez. But uh, you know, I think he'd be pretty pissed if we didn't. So, um, well, Chez, if you're listening, if you're listening, Chez, man, we we, we miss you, man. <laughs> I doubt he's been listening this long. By now, we're about we're over an hour into the show, maybe longer than I lost track of the time. And I, he could barely listen to two minutes of the show. All right, <laughs> so so I don't know if he is. Miss, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, but I, I appreciate you coming on, my friend, and uh, and I'll talk to you real soon. Cheers, Bob. Take bye-bye. care. Bye bye. All right. So that is uh, that was Ben Cohen, the, the founder of the Daily Banter, and uh, you know, just uh, uh, much like I was, just a, a, a very good uh, friend of Chez's, and, and you know, I think one of Chez's benefactors. I mean, I think Ben gave gave Chez the opportunity to write what Chez wanted to write, and I think that was the main thing with Chez is that he always he he wanted to do his own thing, and Ben gave him a platform to do it without any editing, without any criticism, without any second guessing. Here, Chez, and, and the same goes for me. Here, guys, money, be yourselves. I can't tell you how rare that is. And for someone with Chez's talent, that was invaluable. Invaluable. Such a ma- massive, massive platform. So thanks to uh, to Ben Cohen for that. Um, so I guess that's it. Uh, the... Uh, the, the chapter uh, is over and, and we move on to a new chapter uh, together and uh, it won't be the same without Chez. Uh, things are going to be different. Uh, the show format, the show style, certainly my attitude and my style and my point of view will remain the same. A lot of the silliness and sound effects and jingles and all that shit, that'll still be there. But, uh, We'll be doing it without Chez. And what I'm going to do is, uh, sorry, <clears throat> I'm going to take a week and, uh, and kind of regroup and figure out, you know, 
how to proceed forward with the show. I assure you that Chez's name will always be attached to the show in some way. It may not be in the title of the show uh, as we move forward, but uh, but his memory will certainly linger with the show. And, uh, you know, there will be many occasions when I will say, especially in the near term, uh, Chez and I talked about that on the show, or I'll forget, or I'll actually refer to uh, whoever is sitting in the second seat you know, I imagine there's going to be a rotating uh, group of people who, because <laughs> I always need someone to talk to, so need someone else in here. Uh, I'll accidentally refer to them as Chez once in a while, uh, and I'll still think, oh, God, I got to wake up at Chez o'clock in order to do the show. I'll still be thinking things like that and still be picking topics that sometimes would only be appropriate to tell Chez. Uh, so I do ask you to bear with me. Um, as I move forward with the podcast, uh, but the show will go on. We still have a lot of fighting to do, and uh, I think uh, Chez would haunt me if I didn't move forward with the show. I think he would. <laughs> I think he would. And unless he's prepared to grab his earbuds and sit down in front of his microphone and participate in the show while he's haunting me, uh, I'd rather not that ha- happen. <laughs> I'd rather not be haunted by Chez unless he plans to do a show. Ah, fucking Chez. So, uh, safe home, Chez Pazienza. Uh, I'm going to miss you uh, more than I can express. And uh, I just want to wrap up with a couple of songs here. Um, The first one being nothing particularly special as far as Chez's preferences, but something that uh, when I hear about it, when I hear this song, I, I, I think of doing the show with Chez. I think of my friend who was here in the, uh, foxhole next to me fighting the fight, fighting the fight against the, uh, against Trump and against all the, the fucking assholes that Chez could barely stand to listen to. And, uh, I'll never forget him. I'll never forget him. I'll never forget we achieved what we achieved on this show. And, uh, that's it thank you for listening today thank you for indulging me and uh, I'll see you on Tuesday without my friend take care folks